This is Business by the Bay, here to discuss challenges businesses face and possible solutions. Your host, Ajay Sani. Good afternoon and welcome everyone to Business by the Bay, where we talk to successful business leaders and discuss various challenges businesses face and also possible solutions. I'm Ajay Sani and today's show is sponsored by Payroll Vault. It is a full payroll service provider for businesses and handles all the activities related to payroll and allow businesses to focus on what they love doing the most, running their businesses. Payroll Vault is also helping qualified businesses with ERC, Employee Retention Credit. The credit is up to $5,000 per employee for 2020 and up to $7,000 per employee for the first three quarters in 2021. For details, please call Payroll Vault at 925-273-7020. Today, I'm in studio with Britt Summerall, who is a partner of at Now CFO. And Britt has worked as a CFO and controller for many public and private companies. His level of expertise includes accounting, cleanup, cash flow projections, financial analysis, SEC reporting, and complicated equity, debt, and derivative accounting. Good afternoon, Britt. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, why don't we start with your journey? So please tell us about yourself and how long you have been associated with now CFO. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm your average accountant. So I, uh, you know, growing up, I was more of a comedian than anything else. And so <laughs> it's always a surprise uh, for, for people that I went to school with in high school to hear that I became an accountant because most accountants, as you know, are introverts. Uh, they don't really have a ton of personality usually. I know how to get it out of them just because I know how to speak <laughs> the language, but not everybody gets it. Uh, so with me, you know, I, I've always been really good with math and and problem solving. And so when I went to school to get my uh, undergrad, at first I wanted to be an attorney. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what, that I don't know if this is what I really want. And so I started floating around the business uh, program, trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I knew I wanted to be in business. And so uh, I took an accounting class. I was like, you know what, this makes complete sense to me. Uh, It's something I can handle. And so I got my undergrad. And then after that, I, I went after and, and got my master's in accountancy with an emphasis on taxation. Uh, and then kind of rolled from there to get to uh, going to a CPA firm, being an auditor, uh, which is funny because I, I did audit, but I also have a master's in taxation. So I'm trying to be a well-rounded uh, accountant. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everybody knows both sides. I know enough just not to get involved with taxes, but <laughs> to be able to look things up for people. But at that point, I started doing public companies, actually started uh, with uh, mortgage companies, and then the whole collapse happened. And at that point, I was like, you know what, I'd rather do public companies. And I switched over to that side of my CPA firm that I was with. I was with them for around eight years, got to be kind of an expert doing reverse mergers, doing you know companies going organic or doing other aspects to go public and kind of got into some nasty accounting uh, that most people don't understand. And so that's where I really cut my teeth. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was like, I want to get out of the CPA world. I want to be on the other side of the fence and help companies out. And that's really where I landed with now CFO. I've been with the company for 11 years now. I started out as a consultant. After a few years, they asked me if I wanted to be a partner gave me the option of moving to Houston or LA or the Bay Area. And I, I'm 
Obviously, I picked the Bay Area. I thought that was a better fit for me. Uh, but since then, I've also opened up uh, an office in Chicago. So I go back and forth between here and Chicago. Right now, now CFO has 50 offices in 25 states, and I run the uh, the three of them. But uh, we're not a part. You know, we're a partnership. We're not a franchise. Mm-hmm. So I can grab people from any office that has expertise in what the companies need. Pretty good. Pretty impressive. So uh, you mentioned now CFO, like that's where you've been for uh, over 11 years. So what kind of problems uh, now CFO is solving for their clients? Yeah, I mean, anything in in the operational accounting space, we do everything from bookkeeping to CFO. Uh, But really what ends up happening is we end up doing a lot of cleanup and getting companies running right mm-hmm. and then getting them into the right system. So a lot of times you get companies that are going through growing pains, especially when they hit about 10 million in revenue. Software mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Maybe they're on QuickBooks and they need to move to a higher software. The processes are, are kind of basic. After that point, we really get in there, clean it up, try and automate as much as possible and get them set up to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. That's really the problem we solve. I don't like to tell people I'm an accountant. I like to tell people I'm more of a consultant that's going to be there as their advisor. What we're trying to sell is visibility, Mm -hmm. visibility in their financial future into the current state and knowing exactly where their company's at. And uh, how do you sort of provide all that visibility into it? Like, how do you sort of identify what is your process in terms of solving issues? Because I assume at times when businesses come to you, they say one thing, but actually there are quite a few things going on under the hood and they may not be even aware of. So they may talk about certain symptoms and then you are probably you are looking into the whole sort of challenges, issues that are going underneath yeah. and the root cause analysis. So what is your process of uh, solving their issues. Yeah, just even even up front, we we don't just take for word what their what their their problems mm-hmm. are. We we like to sell by you know not just getting them to agree on something they already know is a problem, but I'll also take what I know is going on in their industry, companies their size, and other issues that they're facing. And then we try to bring up some options when we're doing what we call a whiteboarding session, kind of doing an analysis to figure out exactly what they need. And then we go down the line and see if there's anything outside of the box that they're not thinking about. The other thing we like, like to do is go back about every quarter with mm-hmm. our clients and reevaluate and see what's changed, right? Mm-hmm. Once we've gotten under the hood, it could be a completely different story than than what we first started with. And so one of the ways I think that other firms like ours go wrong is they don't go back and reevaluate. Mm-hmm. They don't check it back. And that's why we have such long-term engagements is because mm-hmm. we actually check back in, go through the process, see what they're missing, see what's changed from the first time we talk. Mm-hmm. If they're growing, there's going to be a different thing going on. There's always a new uh, fire to put out, right? So we try and make sure that we stay in front of that. And then the other side is like, hey, if you're just thinking about getting it working properly, how about start thinking about visibility going forward, budgeting, forecasting? Could we use some kind of KPIs in order to to take like a dashboard and be able to give them the visibility that they need to start making better decisions as opposed to putting out a fire every time they make a decision. Like, let's get in front of things, right? Pretty good. So what are the hot topics in accounting that business owners really should know about? Yeah, I mean, some of it come kind of comes down to, uh, I know there's been kind of a pivot since COVID and since mm-hmm. the economy has changed and really cash management is, is key right now. Making sure you know where you're at on that side. And so one of the things that we always say to do is 
we like to come in and do a 13-week uh, cash flow. That's the same thing that a bank's going to use to mm-hmm. look to see if you can stay solvent, right? We like to take those type of tools and get in there and say, okay, let's make smart decisions. Let's look ahead. And then we also look out, you know, let's look for the next year. If we want to go out three years, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. And then constantly monitor and go through that. And that kind of gives a better sense of of where you're at. And I, so I would say cash management is key right now. VCs are starting to pull back in some areas. Mm-hmm. PE firms are getting tighter. Banks are getting tighter. So really watching your assets and making sure what you do have, you're using successfully and making sure you have a little bit of a nest egg. That's one of the major things that we're dealing with right now. Got it. So you mentioned that you focus on long-term engagement. So when a business comes to you and they may come with a specific thing, and it could be as simple in the sense that, okay, hey, we are planning to hire a CFO, but right now we are short-staffed, so can you help for X number of months or until we hire the CFO, something of that nature. So do you sort of get into the engagement and then say that, okay, hey, our engagement would be X number of months, weeks, whatever, like, do you do those kind of, how, how yeah, do you we, go about we, it? We try and set some kind of budget with our clients and see, you know, especially if it's a project, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's two types. So like, uh, some of our clients are just coming to us and saying, hey, we need something filled. We don't have full-time services that we would need. We just need a day or two, right? And mm-hmm. as that goes, we'll we'll reevaluate and see when, you know, when it's getting to the point where it doesn't fiscally make sense. Mm-hmm. Then let's sit down and reassess it. Do you need to hire somebody, right? Uh, so we also have an arm that does that. We, we, mm-hmm. we have an arm that does recruiting. So we can help either place people, but you know, really, since we start with bookkeeping, I can start from the beginning, get them going through the bookkeeping and then, hey, now it's time for controller work. Hire someone full-time down there. Let's start thinking about moving forward. Have you thought about forward-facing? Let's start thinking about CFO. So we can grow with the cycles because Mm -hmm. of the different levels that we do choose. But ultimately, we're working ourselves out of a job and then hopefully we're coming back and helping them with projects down the line. Absolutely. So in terms of the companies that approach you, is there a sort of a budget, how much revenue they are having or number of employees or they are in the, you know, startup phase could be like they just started and they may have very few employees, but they are on a growth path. So what's the kind of range of your, you know, typical clients? Right. So if it's a well-funded startup, I mean, they can be pre-revenue when they're coming into us and looking to to scale quickly. That's a good opportunity. Now, if, if we have a client that's been around, you know, 10 years hitting under a million dollars, probably not the best client for mm-hmm. us. They may just be looking for some really simple bookkeeping, not really just trying to keep the lights on. Right. Really, we're trying to go after those people that are growing. And so typically we see a lot of play between about three and 50 million in revenue, about three to, I would say about 8 million is where we see more bookkeeping, accounting managers. But really once we start hitting that 10 to 50, that's where we see they don't have a full-time controller or they don't need a full-time controller. They don't Mm -hmm. need a full-time CFO. They could have a CFO that is a finance person that isn't a operational person Mm -hmm. and just need a little off piece to like a uh, controller to come in and make sure that uh, the company's running right and take some of the skills they don't have. And so those are our typical clients. Usually Mm -hmm. when we get out over that 50 million, we're really just talking project type work, large companies. It could be an IPO, things like that. Mm -hmm. They'll bring us in because they don't want to hire people, right? right? It doesn't make sense to hire. And then like, okay, now we're done with that process. 
that software implementation, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to exit, and what do you do? Fire people. Uh, so we're we're a more healthy alternative. That mm-hmm. way, there isn't uh, you know any any problems with staff and and morale uh, on the other side. Yeah, makes sense. And also the types of industries that you handle is it like does it really matter what type of business they are in or no like well every business owner thinks that their industry is so much different but in reality from an accounting standpoint the majority of the accounting is the same now there are some nuances right you might mm-hmm. have a revenue recognition issue over here or you might have a different industry working with inventory mm-hmm. definitely a set skill that you would need somebody from that side uh with us since we have 50 offices and you know around 500 plus people that work for us, I can find you an expert if we need an expert. But Mm -hmm. in reality, I tend to hire people with some kind of manufacturing background. Maybe they got some SAS, they got some biopharmaceutical, whatever, that I can throw into multiple uh, industries and not have an issue. And so from our side, there really isn't anything we don't touch. If I don't have someone in my office, I like to tell people, if you need someone in oil and gas, you're not going to find it in the Bay Area. (laughs) I'll go grab you someone from Texas or Tennessee offices and we'll, we'll get them in to help you out. And then if some of the stuff can be done here that doesn't take that expert, then let's augment it so you have someone on site. Right, right. You also mentioned earlier that one of your strengths is that you just don't try to fix one time something, but you also reevaluate and look into it and make sure like overall, the health of the company is in right shape. So what do you think, besides that, that I just picked when you you mentioned that, how do you think you are different or what are your key strengths compared to some of the other uh, companies who are doing similar work? Yeah, I I mean, from our side, we hire our people full-time salary, so there is a big difference. A lot of shops are either 1099 or hourly. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's usually people without work. So we have consistency. I know what my people can do. I know what our other offices can do. Um, So we'll we'll work with that. And then the other side is, you know, with just trying to make sure that the industry is correct or, you know, a lot of the people out here in the Bay Area will just focus on SAS, mm-hmm. will just focus on biopharma, depending on what they're looking for. And they really don't have an overall look of, of different industries. And so sometimes you'll get people caught up in, oh, well, we have to do it this way. But sometimes you have to think out of the box if the company is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So what are ways that we can solve something that someone has seen in another industry? That's where I think we get a lot of uh, lot different. Uh, On top of that, what I see is people going in fixing problems. And then two years later, they're like, we spent all this money to bring someone in. And it's like, okay, you're now 30 million and you were 10 million. That fix is no longer the same fix. That was fixed for there. And they fixed you for a certain amount and it wasn't for growth. We're always trying to look at growth and where do you want to be in the next five years? And then let's let's really look at that and try and set you up now for that type of role. And then as things change, let's, let's go back and look at it. I think that's where that looking back where people just do the one and done and they're out. There's a big issue there because it does leave that person thinking, hey, we're bulletproof. And then some new things arise and it's like everything you did is kind of out of date now. 
Yeah. So when it comes to approaching you, contacting you, what do you think at times the companies are too late reaching out to you? In other words, if they would have contacted you maybe six months earlier, it would have been more cost effective for them. Right. And, you know, so where I'm heading to is like, what are the signs that companies should you know, be on a lookout that, okay, here, I'm at this stage. Now I need to do something different, which means maybe take help from a company like yours. What are some of those signals they should be sort of looking for? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, with accounting, we have what we call segregation of duties. If one person's doing everything, you are sitting in a position where if that person left, you're going to be in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. That could be a good reason just to get a secondary source in there. Uh, But really what, what typically happens is, is the biggest outlier is how how often are you closing the books? Are your books being closed in, you know, seven days? Or are they being closed a month later, mm-hmm. two months later? You're already behind the gun then. Yeah. If you're not doing it in a, a short period, you how can you make good decisions off of the data that you already have if you're looking at it two months later? That's a good indicator that the accounting department's really behind. If you never look at your financials, that's an even bigger indicator that we need to be in there. Because really, someone should be sitting with you, even if you're an engineer and you're good at that, but Mm -hmm. you're not a finance mind. Have someone sit down with you that actually knows what's going on and walk through the financials. That way, they have an understanding of their business. Because Mm -hmm. if somebody comes up to that engineer and, hey, you got a great company, and they say, we'd like to buy you out, and they can't answer those type of questions, and they don't have everything clean, Uh I'm always thinking, always plan for an exit. If you're not planning for an exit, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you will lose a lot of money on the back end if your financials aren't clear and you don't have an understanding of the real picture of what's happened hold by those financials. Yeah, no, definitely uh, makes perfect sense. And also, if you are delaying thinking it, okay, right now I'm busy and I'll just do it later on, it's like you get into further, you know, the whole... The problems don't get better. If you ignore them and you wait, it's... It's compounding at that point. And yeah, it gets expensive when we have to go back in and clean up two years of mess. Mm-hmm. And we'll have clients complain about it. Like, why is it costing so much? And like, well, what would it have cost you to bring someone in and do this right yeah. for two years? Yeah. We're doing it a fraction of that. I guarantee it. Right. Uh, so, you know, you kind of have to look in that sense and and, and what 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 it actually really looks like. Yeah. And uh, when a business decides to get outside help, what's the best way to pick the right partner? Because if you do Google search, there will be tons of companies coming out and trying to say, okay, we do similar things, right? So as a business owner, of course, it's easier if you already know someone who can kind of recommend, then it's a lot easier. But otherwise, like, how do you evaluate? Yeah, I I mean, the best, obviously, the best way is to know somebody that's maybe been through it and, and can recommend or tell you what to watch out for. Or, you know, I, I'm not against people going out and finding and seeing what the other resources. I know I'm not the cheapest person on the block, mm-hmm. but I know the quality we can bring in. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes it might come down to personality fit. Um, if you're looking at a real technical issue that they know what they're talking about. So maybe bringing in somebody else that have a little bit of an understanding with you. But overall, I, I would say the best thing to do is reach out to people you do know that have gone through it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know people, ask one of your business partners, right? Is, does your banker have a referral? Mm-hmm. Is there somebody that you're dealing with on a higher end that knows your business that could help you out and, and, and push it down the right way? Yeah. 
I wouldn't suggest just Googling. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> because because depending on how much they paid on ads, they're going to be at the top or not, yeah. right? So uh, it doesn't mean you're going to get the best work. There's some people out there in our field that give us really bad name. I'm hoping I'm not the person. You know, we try and make sure we give quality, but I know there's other people that cut corners and try and do it as cheap as possible. We come and clean that mess up and we got a business owner that's angry that they're paying twice, right? Yeah. But uh, it's better to get it done right the first time. So I I would say, do your research, look, look into the company. Do they have a good rep? Ask them if they have anyone in their industry that they could refer you to that they already worked with, right? Absolutely. That's a good way to look back and say, okay, how did you do with other companies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Are there any scenarios, one or two scenarios that you want to discuss, you know, without naming names in terms of like some of your typical clients or, or even like a unique or a different scenario that you solved because you have you have done so much with variety of clients right so is there something that you want to just just share yeah i could give you a couple i i mean like so we had uh we have a nonprofit that we work with out in the bay area they had somebody sitting in as what they called their self a cfo and i i, I kind of feel bad for some of the nonprofits because there are people that prey on it and try and get you know they use titles that they really haven't earned so a lot of them are glorified bookkeepers that get in there they were working 60 hours a week wow. there, you know, they were talking to us like, I don't see how this would work with your higher rates. And it's like, well, if we can automate and look at this thing, you guys don't have that many transactions. If we're looking at it, we could cut it down. So we went from replacing somebody that liked to throw a lot of numbers up in front of people to confuse non-finance people to mm -hmm. make them think their job was important Yeah. to bringing in one of my people that ended up cutting it down to doing it in one day wow. a week versus 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So there are scenarios like that, that it works. Now, not all of them are, hey, we can cut it down to less. Yeah. But in that scenario, if if, it, if we couldn't cut down, I would suggest doing a placement because it, it, it wouldn't work out. It's not fiscally sound for them to do that. You know, just to throw out another one, we, we had a uh, company that uh, was public in Australia that we worked with, right? Mm -hmm. Or that we're still working with. Uh, we helped move them from being a filer in Australia to moving to US GAAP. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what US GAAP is, it's it's basically the foundation of, of our accounting and our rules and regulations on our side, but they were on international standards. We moved them to US standards, which mm -hmm. there's a difference, and uh, and then got them through their S1. We've been working on their filing now, I think. I think we're about five or six years into it now with this client. They have people doing the accounting. We're just handling, handling the technical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So from that side, it's, it's a great mix of people doing the bookkeeping, Keeping, keeping it low cost there mm -hmm. and then bringing our experts in to make sure that they're compliant with the SEC. Great. You know, at least, uh, you know, it, it gives an idea in terms of the variety of issues people may have. So essentially what I'm getting is that if there is anything related to accounting and you're not sure that you are on the right path, it's, it's a good idea to consult and see what an outside help may do for you, right? Yeah. And even just sitting down and having a conversation even if I'm not the right fit, mm -hmm. I'm going to find them the right fit. I, I don't want to leave people out there on their mm -hmm. own. So if it makes more sense to, to go another route and there's, you know, I know some people use people overseas. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know networking partners that do a great job. And, you know, so my whole thing is like, look, if, if it comes in the door, I'm going to send them the right way. Yeah. Whether it's, no, you're really looking for a tax person, an audit person, evaluation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and send them the right way and, and make sure that they're set up for success. Excellent. 
So, Britt, if you're talking to a group of business owners and uh, you have to give some suggestions, advice that may help them to be more successful, what will you say? It need not be accounting, whatever you feel like. What advice would you give if, if a business owner comes and seeks some suggestions? Yeah, like I mentioned before, I, I think everyone should be set up for succession, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if You should always have some kind of exit plan, even if it's not in the cards or you don't think it's going to happen. All it takes is someone coming in trying to acquire. So always think about an exit. And a lot of business owners haven't thought about it, right? Yeah. It's their baby. They're working on it. Um, some people have, but not everybody thinks about it. So I, I would say that is a, a good aspect. And then really... If you have an accountant that you're Mm -hmm. already working with, talk to them, figure out how long it's taking to close the books. If it's taking more than seven, 10 days, then you have a problem. You should figure something else out so you can have a better fix. And that's probably the best advice I could give anyone is make sure your books are being closed properly. Make sure it looks all right. If you need to bring in a second hand to look at it. Yeah. And that's a very sound advice because if I, as a business owner, I'm looking to really make sure I can exit, it means I'm doing everything correctly. And that doesn't mean that I need to exit next year. I that's could, right. I could work for, you know, um, ages and, you know, hand over to the family, friends, whatever be, be the case. But that ensures that we are doing everything correct that is possible and the business is in good shape, which means it's more fun to run that kind of a business rather than <laughs> something else where we are struggling. Yeah, there's nothing worse than putting out fires every week, yeah, right? Yeah. If you can get ahead of things and you can do proper planning, that's where business becomes fun, right? Exactly. You're focusing on the business, not trying to put out the fires in it. Absolutely. So, Britt, if someone wants to contact you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, you can either reach out to uh, and, and get onto our website, uh, www.now cfo.com. If you go on to locations, you can find who the best partner is in your location. I obviously run the Bay Area and Chicago. So Mm -hmm. if you're in those areas, it's always good. Although I have clients all over, Uh, or you can reach out to me. My uh, email is B-S-U-M-M-E-R-I-L-L at nowcfo.com. And uh, just send me or find me on LinkedIn. That That's mm-hmm. also an easy one. It's Britt Summerall uh, in, in LinkedIn. If you can find me on there and look up Now CFO, you should be able to find me. Any way that uh, is more comfortable for them, I have multiple ways to get a hold of me. So Excellent, Britt. It's very easy to remember the website Now CFO, N-O-W and CFO. So N-O-W-C-F-O.com. So it's easy to remember. Pretty simple. Yeah. (laughs) You can't get it wrong there. (laughs) Exactly. So Britt, really, it was a pleasure talking to you and thank you for your time today. No, thank you for having me. It was was great to get out and hear a little bit more about you and uh, have a little discussion here. Yeah. So listeners, thank you for joining us on Business by the Bay today. This show was brought to you by Payroll Vault and you may find the recording of this show on our website, businessbythebay.live. You may send us an email at info at businessbythebay.live if you have any questions. Take care and have a wonderful weekend. Business by the Bay with your host, Ajay Sani. Join us next time as we discuss challenges businesses face and possible solutions.